Welcome into episode three of the Power Players Podcast, powered by Radio.com. I'm Danielle McCartan, your hostess with the mostess. And did you guys remember that the inaugural game of the WNBA was played on June 21st, 1997, between the New York Liberty and the LA Sparks? Well, that's kind of where I'm taking it today. I'm recording this in New York City, and I've got on the line the president and COO of the Los Angeles Sparks, Danita Johnson. Danita, after only 14 years, you find yourself, funny way to put that, but you find yourself as president and COO of a major market professional sports organization. What's one adjective you'd use to sum up your meteoric rise? Dedication. I feel like, you know, it's dedication to myself of being disciplined to study the craft, um, dedication to each team that I've worked for of just giving everything I got on a day by day. I feel like, you know, you have to have a sense of dedication slash commitment to be able to grow in your career and really, you know, develop as an as a person throughout your career. Getting to the top and for me, I'm not at the top by any means, but for me I have to sacrifice like my social life when I have my show on late Saturday nights. But I mean, what sacrifices did you have to make along the way? I think for me the biggest is just being away from my family and friends mm-hmm. from home. I do have, like, family and friends that now surround me here, and as I've moved, you know, you take them everywhere with you. But being so young of when I did leave home, um, missing, like, birthdays and holidays and just, like, that everyday moment of connecting with my family is probably the hardest one for me. This quote I loved, I came across this, and you said, don't be afraid to ask for it. And that has been your advice to anyone trying to break into the sports business field. Was there ever a time where you, you wished you had asked for something? Probably multiple. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, mind? in a day-to-day business, being like I asked for the clothes, I talk about that a lot. And I think in life, just like asking for exactly what I want when making a deal um, for myself personally, you know, like negotiating my own salary or, you know, how my business is set up. Um, I think often, you know, there's definitely been some moments where, especially when I was first starting, I was so hesitant and wasn't sure. And I think that really came to the point where I wasn't sure how to ask. Right. And that was a big thing. Well, what is your advice then to ask if for someone in that situation? They're like, wait, I, I can I can recognize that. I, I, I'm in the same spot myself. Yeah. I think really it's starting to rely on people around you, like some of the mentors um, and people that surround you to be like, I'm being able to kind of get to the result of what you want and understanding like the end result of what you're trying to get out of your question will help you formulate the question. So a lot of times it's like, okay, I want a race. That's what you want, right? But you don't know how to necessarily, like, get to that point or, like, to build your case of, like, why this is actually important. So I think if you can start with your end result of, like, what you're trying to get to from your ask and then build backwards, you have a really good opportunity of, like, structuring your questions and your ask to really make a difference. I think, I mean, for me personally, one of the main things I'm afraid to ask is because I don't want to hear the answer, like, no. And, and, you know, and then what? What's the fallout, you know? So is there a time where you did ask for something or it did or or didn't pan out? Let's go with didn't first. Yeah, I think there's been times, you know, I have to go back early on of just being like I wanted to, like, manage at one point. It wasn't an available option for me at that moment. Mm -hmm. And what did you do? You, like, go back and be like, okay, if it's a no now, how do I turn this into a yes? So, okay, you're telling me no. Well, what do I need to do to turn into a yes? Is it studying this more? Is it hitting some additional goals? Like, how can I turn it into a yes? And I think a lot of times when we hear no's, you talk about like your show that you have, it was a no in the beginning, potentially, right? Mm -hmm. And then you turned into a yes by asking different questions. 
And so I think that is what you want to know and understand. Like, how do you get there? How do you get to the yes if somebody tells you no? Moving on to Kobe Bryant, his legacy. I mean, there's no bigger advocate for the women's game than Kobe Bryant was. And, you know, what specifically had Kobe done in and around your organization that the public might not know about? You know what? I don't don't want to pinpoint just one thing. I think with Kobe and what he's done, um, it's really just showing up. Like, I know last year we went to, um, we had some of our players go to a U.S. Women's National Team game, and mm-hmm. Kobe was there, and he took time and talked to our players and, and spent, like, the afternoon with them as well and just really giving them insight. And so I think him sharing his knowledge on personal levels with individual players to sharing his knowledge with uh, the outside world about the importance of women's basketball has been one of the things that will forever last with us. Well, speaking of the women's national team, they've been making headlines last night, again today. Yes. What do you think of their quest for this equal pay and and what the naysayers are saying about that? I'm so excited for what the U.S. women's national team has done and what they're continuing to do for women in sports. You know, they're pushing for equality, um, for pay that they more than deserve for the work that they've done and represented our country. I think we're all in this together. We might be playing different sports People may not be playing sports. It might be happening in the workplace. Everybody's fighting for equality for women, and I think we just got to keep pushing forward. Um, It reminds me so much, I think, about our players. They're also fighting that fight, obviously, with the new CBA. We've seen a lot of progress, and we can't stop. And we stand with them, and we've always been compared to the boys when it comes to sports. And it's time to realize we are women, and we are strong, and we get to be who we are. And people have got to accept that and understand that our level of play is just as equal. And for that, they deserve the pay. So I'm super excited about, you know, continuing the fight with them and standing with them in this battle. So I know I had tweeted it this morning or was it last night? I forget. But um, I tweeted, you know, that the women's national team is better than the men's team, in fact. And I got people telling me on my comment section that, you know, it's not the same work and, you know, the way their contract is structured and. I, I don't know. You know, everybody has their opinions, and they're entitled to them. I think some people view things in different ways, and it's okay. Um, but I think for like somebody like yourself or myself, we're also allowed to have ours and push of, like, we we see these women day in and day out in the work and the sacrifice that they put on their bodies. And, you know, to say it's just not as physical is somewhat unacceptable at this point in time. Um, and so I feel like, you know, we just got to keep pushing them forward. And, you know, for those naysayers out there, a lot of them may not understand the physicality of the sport because maybe they're not watching it. Maybe they're not seeing it. And so, therefore, they can't connect to it. You guys, the L.A. Sparks, play in the same building as the L.A. Lakers, obviously, and the connection between the teams is inevitable. We've seen all the tributes come out, but how did the 2020 Sparks plan to honor Kobe, Gigi, and the others that died in that helicopter crash? That's still in the works for us. It's nothing I can unveil at this time, but we also want to make sure that we're respectful to the families, um, to all those that were involved, as well as uh, making sure that it's in alignment with something that they're in agreement with. So we're still working through that. But we should expect to see something? Potentially. Okay. I have a listener question for you. Hi, Ms. Johnson. My name is Jenna from Miami. I appreciate you taking my question. The world knows about how much Kobe Bryant championed the WNBA and all of women's sports in general. I was wondering what you think was his biggest impact among women's sports, and who do you either anticipate or hope will carry that torch going forward? Awesome. You know what? 
I think his biggest impact was through his daughters. Watching him uplift them, his relationship with Gigi and all of his other daughters, like I feel like to me his impact was that of showing the way a man can truly support women, and he did that through his daughter in basketball. And I think it was an absolutely beautiful example. Um, I want to make sure I answer the second portion of that question. I think it was who now can kind of carry this on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Kobe is not easy shoes to fill by any means. So I feel like there are multiple people that have the opportunity to carry this on. Um, You know, there's plenty of our brothers in the NBA side that – have always come to our games and supported us. Now we just need them to continue to raise the voice louder and louder. And so I, I, I feel like it's it's an open playing field uh, for people to come in and step in and, and be a part of the change. The Sparks won 2019's WNBA Franchise of the Year, you know, from the business side. And I know you had such a, a large role in that. So congratulations, first off. Well-deserved. Thank you. Who would you like to thank if you had to give an acceptance speech? Who would you thank? <laughs> I love that. Um, well, first, I'd like to thank Nat Massillian. Um, I think, you know what? It's my staff. They, I came in here in January of 19, and they buckled down with me, and we did this together. I remember in my very first uh, all-staff meeting when I took on the role, I was like, we're going to win Franchise of the Year this year. We can do it. And we did. And, I, and the funny part was I had actually forgot this until one of our uh, former staff members, his name was Doug, actually reminded me after we won Franchise of the Year and was like, hey, do you remember your first staff meeting? I was like, kind of. He said, you said we were going to win Franchise of the Year. And he was like, you stuck to your word. Wow. I said, but you guys did too. Now, for anybody that's you know unfamiliar, just briefly, what is what what does that mean, Franchise of the Year? Yeah. Well, it's a couple of different variables that they measure on, um, looking at ticket sales, sponsorship, marketing efforts, um, overall impact. So all those are measured by the league throughout the year, and um, we finished out top. So it was, I mean, it's a huge accomplishment. It's hard to repeat, but we're going to try our best to do what we can, and we're super excited to go back into it this year and really continue to push our business forward. Do you need a, the number 19,076? I know that's a number near and dear to you. Tell, <laughs> tell the listening audience why. Well, that would happen to be the number when we sold out Staples Center back in 2015. Wait a second. Sold out Staples Center. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> yes. I've, I've contemplated tattooing that on myself, but I'm not <laughs> one for tattoos. <laughs> Me neither. But it definitely was a huge accomplishment and one of those days I will never, ever forget in my career. You said, I saw a quote, you said, I'd like to think of the Los Angeles Sparks as a multi-dimensional company. We're a professional basketball team, but also a business, a women's empowerment organization, and part of the fabric of the Los Angeles community. In addition to that, I mean, let's go through it. You launched the Spark the True You, which helps female war veterans upon their return home. You launched mm-hmm. a community busing program to transport underserved communities to the Sparks games. You even launched a STEM program for girls. All amazing things, Danita, but Why? Let me tell you, this is the beauty of sports. We have an amazing platform that outreaches to communities. So every game and all the stuff that you see when you just get like that two and a half hours of basketball, right? All year long, we have an opportunity to go into these communities and make changes and make impact. And so for us, I feel like it's our duty. Like for all those fans, like why not give back? And it may not be directly saying it's to every single one of our fans, but for every single person that even knows of us, we got to find ways in which we give back to it's, it's just, it's the fact.
fabric. You know, I, I, I said it in the, in the quote that you read off. It's like, that's what makes us. Like, if we don't do good by others, you know, we, it's, it's a lost cause. It becomes just basketball just basketball that you know that's 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 profound i think all of us outside of la we know that la has a a dire homeless situation there is that something you guys would consider maybe as a future initiative we've actually done some stuff in the past um so chelsea gray and in partnership with adidas has done a shoe program for the homeless so we've done some work on skid row going out and fitting people with shoes um, because we know that's one of the hard-hitting areas. Um, we do an annual packing of food. And then in addition to that, we've also worked some with the women's downtown the women's downtown shelter. So we have a couple of things that we've done in that space. I think we can always continue to improve and do more work. Um, but we do have a few initiatives in that area. You know, I'm thinking as you were just talking now, you guys are part of, the, obviously, the fabric of L.A., clearly, obviously. Now, how do I say this without sounding, but, like, do men's teams have to go out and work as hard as you guys are? I think we all do our equal part. I mean, between the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, all the football teams, all the soccer teams we have, it's, it's a lot of us here in L.A. I feel like that's the great part. We all have community initiatives that we get to go make impact. Um, and so each of us, by taking responsibility on different pillars, we all kind of have our own different areas that we focus on. Some of them cross over, and then together we get to help our whole surrounding area of Los Angeles. It's pretty amazing. So the state of the WNBA, mid-January, I think if you're a WNBA fan, this is old news, but most of my audience really isn't. So mid We can keep it new news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mid-January, the WNBA and the Players Association agreed to an eight-year collective bargaining agreement. Now, you, viewing it from your hi- the highest office in, in the organization, from your point of view, how would you assess its maybe comprehensiveness, practicality? I think it's a beautiful, like, next step for us. You know, the, the fun part about this is Mecca Gumake, who's one of our players, is the president of the, play- the Players Association. So I love hearing her talk about it and the process that she went through from the player's side. And so for me, I think, you know, we're in the right direction. It solidifies the next eight years. Um, it's about a long-term play, not just a short-term win. And I think there's some things in there that just really help elevate our game. Um, I'm really excited about the Commissioner's Cup as that rolls out, just to add some new excitement. And so I think there's just, like, on the court there's some great things, and off the court there's some great opportunities as well. And really creating player visibility in market during the off season, I think is a huge benefit. From a front office perspective, are there anything, you know, you know, you said it's a step in the right direction. Is there any more aspects that you wish it could have or would have included? I think there can always be more. But I think as of right now for the state of the league, I think it was done really well. I think I was reading today, actually, that the NFL, I mean, they're going through the Everybody seems to be doing their CBAs and, and the NFL yeah. is <laughs> is up. And, you know, one of the things that, that the star players, at least, they don't want to be locked into a long-term plan. And I don't need you to go into, you know, negotiating in public here, but I guess my question is you guys are excited about the long-term plan. What does that provide for you guys from the league standpoint? I think it gives stability of, like, the next eight years, you know what I mean, for us. And every league's different, you know. So every league is different in how they function. And, you know, when you look at the NFL, I think what's the lifespan of a player is, like, four seasons? Oh, 2.3 I read today. 2.3. So – which would make sense of saying maybe a shorter-term plan. I can't get into that because I don't know anything about it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. too deep on it. But you just think about, like, a basketball lifespan versus a football lifespan would be my first thing to see. Okay, if they're asking for short-term, I could kind of maybe understand that. Um, but 
I think for us, it's just like, you know, we're going to have this next four years of female athletes coming out of college. You know, you know, people are starting to come out early. Like, it's very exciting because there's a new sense of stability. Now, I know, because I, I was in Vegas, actually, when the whole thing went down where their plane got canceled and they got to D.C. and they ended up canceling the game. I personally would have liked to see chartered league-wide team planes. And why isn't that a possibility? Like, people are shocked to know that, like, you've got the L.A. Sparks sitting on a regular plane among regular people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's something that's still, it's very high on the radar for everybody about creating comfortable travel experiences for our players. And we do have a very player first mentality. Obviously, unfortunately, it didn't come out in the CBA where that was mandated, but I do think they made some more adjustments, which I know they did to make some more adjustments for, for more comfort for our players when they do have to travel in that capacity. So yes, I think futuristically as we move forward, it, you know, it'll be continued to be something to look at. And, you know, sometimes you got to go step by step. Having worked with the Clippers, obviously you have worked with done extensive work, one of which your stops was with the Clippers. How do the revenue streams for both leagues, I mean, are they similar? Are they different? And how? Because the WNBA, 23 years it's been around. Mm-hmm. 23 years. I mean, when you look compare budget to budget, I mean, most revenue streams are, you know, where you're itemizing items is pretty similar. I think, you know, for women's sports period and not just like, you know, Sparks versus Clippers, I think women's sports as a whole is the biggest pieces where you're going to see is the, the lack in media dollars, where most teams across any league, uh, when you look at like your big four leagues, uh, they have a high amount of revenue coming from media. And that's something where I think for our leagues and, and women's professional leagues, you don't see that the same. Therefore, um, that does impact bottom lines and sponsorship as well. Right. Now, it's it- Parlay is right into the next thing. Visibility of the league daily, even hourly. I mean, even today, we're getting updates of athletic competitions being canceled in an abundance of caution regarding the coronavirus. You had the Ivy League cancel their men's and women's basketball tournaments. Today, breaking today, Golden State Warriors, not far from you guys, are planning to play home games without fans for the foreseeable future. WNBA season opens May 15th, which is, you know, not far off. How would a ban on a live audience, currently in place in Italy, too, affect the league as a whole? I, mean, I think it would definitely have impact, but we we do have a little time, and I think we're, like all of us, we're watching this day by day, and we're all learning more every single day, and everybody's just trying to make the best decision for both players and fans to be safe. And I think, you know, if we're in this situation as we move closer, we'll still do the same thing. We'll always look to make the best decisions for our players and our fans, and you know, it's a very, very unique, unfortunate situation that's happening in our world right now. Um, but we, we play on the safe side. You know, you just want to take it day by day and make the right decisions. Could the WNBA sustain, uh, you know, having games without fans in, in fannies in the seats, we should say? I think we would be. I think we would be fine. I think it's it's bigger than that. It's about like it's it's not saying that it's the most detrimental thing where we just. You know what I mean? It's bigger than that. This is a, a worldwide problem. Um, so just, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's just a bigger issue. From a marketing standpoint and falling back on your marketing background, your backgrounds and everything, one of which is marketing, the <laughs> NBA is just its just masterful in advertising its top players. I mean, what could more be, could be done on the W side to increase player marketability for its top players? Yeah, I'm excited about what we've been doing on the W side in this area, like continuing to push them forward and show them in different lights. 
um, uh, storytelling as much as possible. And then for us, again, it goes back to exposure. So, like, as media outlets pick it up and talk about our players, getting them in unique places, like NECA was just on The Daily Show, which was absolutely amazing. So, like, really just trying to position them in opportunities for people to hear their voice and get to know them. Um, And it's exciting because they're absolutely phenomenal women like phenomenal and so i think for us it's like you can't like neca said it and i said it as well it's like you can't see her like you can't hear her if you can't see her some would say i'm messing up the whole quote at this moment <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so like you have to be able to like see them and therefore hear them and then when you do that together you get to know them and so i think the storytelling aspect putting them forward is going to be a huge part of this i think to a part of i mean that and MLB baseball, they're they're trying to kind of grapple with this too, increasing player and fan engagement. I mean, I think that is paramount, especially for kids. What are kind of some things that the LA Sparks have done to kind of tackle that? Yeah, and that's actually one of the beauties on the W side. I feel like we have always had this notion to us of our players engaging with our fans. Like after every single game, two players do autographs after every single home game mm-hmm. in the regular season. So, you know, we do outside clinics. We do, like, an annual season ticket party where we have our full team present and our fans all get to act, interact with our players. Um, so from a fan engagement side, you know, we have a moment where people can come in and watch players warm up prior to the game. So we try to make sure that we're doing things to engage with them. We've done courtside dinners with just our courtside season ticket holders and our players. So really just trying to keep people in front of them and get to know them. And I think that you know, really helps to drive the connectivity. Have you ever come across a situation where a player has been like, you know what, no, nah, I'm not buying into this? Or do they all understand that they're pushing for, you know, the greater good? I think they have a true understanding. Everybody has good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, some days we as all humans don't want to talk to people. <laughs> and so you got to respect that, especially after like a rough game or like a long road trip. But overall, they understand the how it impacts and, and the difference that it makes. And and really come into it with a positive attitude. I heard you say in an interview on a podcast that age 25 to 55 is kind of your target demographic. As we talked about, the MLB is trying to adapt itself. What initiatives, you said the clinics and and all that stuff, but to to specifically hit kids and and to make them fans of the the sport and the game for life? Yeah. um, Our Junior Sparks program is our biggest, like, youth kids initiative. So we started Junior Sparks about three years ago. We've had probably over a few, like over a thousand plus kids come through that program. Um, one, it's one of the programs underneath Junior Sparks is all girls basketball camps. So it's all girls, all female coaches, female refs, really just trying to help young girls feel comfortable in the space. We do do clinics for boys and girls as well. Um, during the summer months, we work with the city with Parks After Dark um, and Summer Night Lights, where we take youth basketball and health and wellness programs into the actual community centers and run those during the summer months. And then our annual camp day where we have like 10,000 plus kids come out to our game and we're actually getting ready to launch a kids club this late spring. So definitely are in the kids space, um, trying to go to where they are and then introduce them to the game. One of my favorite events that we started about two years ago was our three-on-three basketball tournament at Venice Beach, which is an all-girls three-on-three tournament at Venice Beach. And so really just trying to find new ways to reach them. Um, And then we have, like, our dance crews as well. So we have a 40-plus dance crew, um, our Sparks crew, which is, like, that mid-tier 18 to 20s, 
and then our Spark Kids, which they sit around like six or seven and go to like 15 or 16. And so we have a kids group there. So we've done clinics with them to get kids involved that maybe basketball isn't their thing. Maybe they like dance. So we really try to mix it up. It wasn't this off season. It was, I guess, the season before. I was trying to watch the WNBA playoffs. I'm a fan, obviously, and I'm trying to watch the playoffs. I have to look for it on, like, these, these tertiary sports channels. And I guess last year it was a little bit better, but is there more of a push to get the, the product, the, the teams, on a, on a more national, more visible scale on the, in terms of the TV side? Absolutely. I know um, last year we ended up working with CBS as well, so we had additional games on CBS. Um, ESPN, ESPN2. So every year we do look to try to get more and more games on a national scale. So it's it's definitely a, a top focus. And I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but in a very popular post, her name is Lindsay Gibbs. She's a reporter for The Athletic. Mm-hmm. She went on a quest to find Washington Mystics championship gear in the D.C. area. She said she went to eight different stores and found nothing and noted that the stores didn't even carry Mystics merchandise at any point in the season, not even Nike. And during the 2019 finals, Dix donated $50 for every point scored in games four and five, up to 20000 whatever it was. Yet they didn't sell any merch in D.C. What do you think about that? You know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, but at the same time, I think those are things <laughs> – it's just an unfortunate situation about getting product out there. I know all of us are looking at ways to continue to do so. When you saw, I know during our league rebrand, you've seen a lot of the changeover in like our overall gear that we've been doing from the rebrand of last year. Um, but it's it's an unfortunate thing. It's not against the company in any means, right. but we do have to get more products in place. And but it also goes back to our fans, and as we continue to expand our fan base, you know, people creating demand for the product as well do you do you hope or do you wish maybe from a front office perspective like do you hold those stores accountable that are that are up front saying that they're making donations and all that yet they don't even have their gear stocked in their stores i always say there's probably more to the story of why so it's hard to say oh, i'm gonna hold you accountable for this but we also have to understand why what why they don't or why they potentially can't so there might be some other underlying reasons from licensing to other things of maybe why a product is not in a certain store. So before, like, jumping all the way, like, to be like, you should be doing this, Mm -hmm. I I always try to have people to have the opportunity to explain their why. It's just disappointing, you know, because when you you walk into a a Dick's Sporting Goods or any Sporting Goods, you look around, you're like, oh, yeah, there's that team, that team, that team. But it's almost like like the team is erased almost. And they just won the championship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's just disappointing, you know, from a fan standpoint for me. Oh, it's tough. You guys just signed Christy Teller, yeah. is that correct? So, so excited. She is a coach on, on a men's team. Like, what kind of experience are you excited about to have her along with you guys? I am so excited to see her coaching eye on the court with us. I truly think it helped with them in D.C., and I'm so excited to have her back in L.A. And, like, the skill set that she has, her calmness, and then adding in, like, the coaching vision of being able to coach and look at games in a different way, I, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I am ready to see Becky Hammond take over as a head uh, NBA coach. We're with you. I think all of us are waiting for the moment. She's phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal. I had seen the report come out that when the Spurs coach, Greg Popovich, was, was going to be absent or whatever from the game, they skipped right over Becky Hammond, and they went to, I think it was Tim Duncan to coach the team. What the heck? You know, obviously there was a reason. So, um, like, it's hard. 
when you're not in those rooms, it's hard to give like a true valid opinion. All we can give is, you know, you can give your outside opinion, but there's typically a reason why people make the decisions that they do. And so you have to sometimes respect it and understand. I think about that in a leadership standpoint. Like a lot of times you have to make decisions where people may not be visible to all. And so, yes, from the outside, people are like, why not? But her time's coming. She's going to get it. I'm very excited for her. I'm excited to see what happens. Well, wouldn't it be ironic that she coaches the Knicks back in the garden <laughs> where she started? I love it. So I'm, I'm, I'm a coach and I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always preach when people say, you know, why are you watching WNBA? I say, well, it's fundamentally sound basketball and, and they are great players and world-class athletes. Why won't you give it a chance? What do you say to that? I think for me, it's. I mean, what you said is is the truth of it. That's who they are. Not even that they're fundamentally sound, but it's like fun to watch. You know, they're still behind the back passes and crossovers and everything else that actually happens in the game. So it's not like you're just watching fundamental basketball of just like here's a bounce pass no, and no, layup. No. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, if I'm answering your question properly, I, I would just say like it's absolutely fundamentally strong. The way that they move, the way they position themselves on the court, they know how to make the right cuts and get to the basket, die for the ball. But at the same time, you could be a Chelsea Gray and you toss it behind your back and a no look pass. And it's still just as entertaining and, you know, watching somebody get crossed over and fall to the ground. <laughs> so it's definitely a sport that does that. And these players have the capability to do that. They are superstars. And I don't want that to ever get lost. That They're the best in the world at what they do. And a lot of times, you know, people just think women's basketball and they think, oh, it's just basketball. But I'm like, but it's the best basketball in the world. I have a cousin, male cousin. I guess it doesn't matter. I don't know. But I have a cousin. He's male and he's, I'm, he's about 35 years old. He told me, we were talking, he picked me up from the airport, he lives in Florida, he picked me up from the airport, and I mentioned, you know, I'm watching this game, whatever, and he's like, really? You're watching WNBA? Like, why? I won't even turn on that game. I won't even watch a game. What do you say to him and others like him? It's missing out. You, it, like, you can keep sitting over there and missing it while we all enjoy it, because it's absolutely beautiful. And <laughs> it's absolutely entertaining, you know? And so, if if you've made that stance without saying something, it's like, you know, you, you make a stance and say, I don't like this, but I've never tried it. If you watched it and you were like, hey, it's not my thing, completely respectable. But if you're like, I just I just won't, you know, sometimes we got to try new things in life. It doesn't hurt. And a huge thank you to Danita Johnson, president and COO of the LA Sparks, for joining us on Power Players. If you guys want to catch up on any past episodes, episodes one and two are available on the radio.com app. Just type in Power Players or WFAM.com. Click on the podcast tab, and there you go. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.